genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today, we are continuing our mini-series on the Rocky franchise with the epilogue to the series 30 years after the original film. It's 2006's Rocky Balboa. And uh, no guests today, just us. Just, uh... Two old friends sparring in the basement, <laughs> uh-huh. which apparently is as unrealistic as uh, the Green Goblin and Spider-Man. <laughs> yes, apparently. <laughs> the most completely ridiculous thing to ever be committed to film. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're talking uh, Rocky Balboa. Um, Nick, do you, do you remember uh, when this movie was, like, preparing to come out and everything? Cause like my, 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 you know, my, my thing with this movie and it and it's so interesting, like the legacy of this movie, I think is interesting. Cause it's been, I think it's sort of a forgotten entry because I think Creed would go on to sort of eclipse this movie in a lot of ways. Um, and definitely eclipse Rocky five. Right. Because it's Creed is essentially both a remake of Rocky, you know, a reboot of Rocky, the first film, but also like a remake of Rocky five, but also like from the perspective of like the Tommy Gunn character, but also, <laughs> but also sort of like, you know, a later, a legacy sequel, a legacy sequel and, and et cetera, et cetera. And so like, I feel like this movie gets forgotten as a result a lot. And the lead up to it being released, this was a joke. I remember, like, no one was taking this movie seriously because they were just like, "Oh, oh, yeah, the the desperate old man is gonna like try and rebuild his glory days or whatever." And you know, everyone is like eye rolling and making fun of it. And I remember a lot of them eating their words when the movie came out, but also quite a few refusing to. And being like, no, this was a bad idea. This was this was dumb. He's old. He's old, and it's not believable. And you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. Did you watch the movie? Did you not realize that's what the movie's literally about? Like, is that he's old? <laughs> There's like a whole monologue about calcium deposits, and you know, having to train differently because he's he's old. Um, and uh, I don't know. It was. I was I was watching this movie and was being sort of emotionally blown away by it all over again and just thinking about how like we could number one we couldn't get a guest on this one which you know kind of says a lot about like the legacy of this particular one um and that like 
yeah, it is sort of a, it's a joke, you know, it's like, oh, grandpa's putting the boxing gloves on again. Um, and, uh, it's unfortunate because I think this movie fucking rocks. Has that ever been, uh, like an easy pull quote for like a Rocky movie of like Rocky three rocks? Like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) Flat out rocks. I feel like probably. (laughs) um it's funny scott i actually remember the promotional campaign and lead up to the movie better than i do the actual movie Mm. Uh, i think you hit the nail on the head i think uh uh, unfortunately creed totally kind of eclipses this movie in retrospect i think Mm -hmm. at the time in the wake this was seen as like a more fitting end for the rocky character than five at least Mm -hmm. like People were like, well, it was it was at least it was better than five. Like it was solid. That was a good note to end the character on. Um, Yeah. And then Creed comes out and then that, you know, we'll talk about it next week. It's actually kind of like on a meta level. It's not unlike Rocky's journey in the movie where everyone was expecting it to be a joke. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like not taking it seriously. You're embarrassing yourselves. Oh, look, he looks ridiculous. And then it was just good enough, both financially or critically for most people that it was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, great. And I we can close the book on that <laughs> on Rocky. And now, but it's so. I also I was I I just remember this today. Um, as I was like like walking around this morning, I remember this movie came out. You know, Christmas Day, two thousand and six. So, unfortunately, square in my era of like going on ain't it cool news like daily. And yeah. And reading through and I remember this movie was heavily promoted by uh, not just Ain't It Cool, but Harry Knowles himself specifically. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stallone would like communicate directly with Knowles to get like the fans whipped up. And I remember as a teenager in retrospect, what I thought about today is, oh, that was the first time I was ever hit with the narrative of like, we have to come out and see this movie to support Sly. Right. Like that was Knowles's big, like, come on guys, we have to show up and we can't, everyone thinks he's a joke and we have to end like, thanks. And I remember like when the movie opened, uh, so weird that I remember this, but it was like, he, he wrote like a letter like, to the talkbackers, to ain't it cool. And Harry, like we opened at number four. Um, so not great, but it was Christmas day. And like, you made an old lion roar proud. Yeah. And as a kid, I got swept up in the narrative. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if it was like a big, huge hit and everyone loved it because he's an underdog. And I was like, oh, OK, it was just good enough. Right. Like it wasn't a huge like, whoa, it opened bigger than the bomb, but it also wasn't like a fiasco bomb. Right. Right. Well, and it's also it's also like I remember this was right around the time period because um, I remember what was the big. Was it, was it a ta- was it the, this, what was the, the script big... that, that Annie Cole News got a hold of and it just bombed the movie? Um, because oh, he does, a re- he did a review of it. It was like the first of its kind thing. It was a huge movie and he got yeah. the script for it and he was like, this movie's dog shit. And then the movie bombed and everyone was like, Hollywood was like, oh shit. Like they're like in control of the narrative. Like we have to like market with them and work with them and all and like treat them like like hollywood royalty um, i think because i know like batman uh batman and robin was like an early one did you ever hear the terminator salvation story no 
So uh, I, I just learned this. I, I have to confess. I listened to that to that podcast that came out earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the whatever the download one. And I heard this anecdote that I hadn't heard before that apparently Terminator Salvation had an ending where like um, John Connor was like killed. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, the, the, the reveal that the Kyle Reese that was sent back was a Terminator. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, or, I remember that crazy ending and then like drew mcweeny or somebody saw it and he was like this sucks and the fandom was like he's right this sucks and they like did a rush job and totally rewrote the ending and we got the ending that we did in terminator salvation yeah there was well anyway there was but but there was a it was a script that they reviewed and they ignored it like hollywood ignored the script review and they're like wow that really sucks they shouldn't be allowed to do that but Mm -hmm. you know oh well We'll release the movie. The movie comes out and it completely bombs. And they're like, is this because of the script review? And ever since then, they sort of like were treating them like Hollywood royalty and like bending over backwards to give Harry Knowles whatever he wanted and all these things really rolling out the red carpet for this piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And then around this time, this is when people started realizing that the bad word of mouth could hurt the movie, but good word of mouth at Ain't a Cool News does nothing. It's just, yeah. it, do, it didn't help anything ever. Um, it was, it was, it's just this weird thing where like only the toxicity had power. Any <laughs> right. positivity, yeah. yeah, any positivity coming from Ain't a Cool News had no, zero effect on the box office whatsoever and this was like i i remember what you're talking about and rocky balboa was one of the examples where like sly really went out there and like tried to work with this guy and like they were talking it up on ain't it cool news all the time and then it didn't help like it just didn't do anything because that's not why most people were there and also the 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 numbers that that drive ain't it cool news like the the people in those talkbacks it's only like a few thousand people. It's not. It's and not so, millions. It's not anything that's gonna nudge the box office number in any direction. You know, it's such a uh, Lucy kicking the football situation because you know we're old enough to remember that. That was when we were like teenagers. Cut to twenty twenty two with the Morbius situation. Yep. Where like Sony's like, oh look at all these tweets. Look at all this engagement. We got like a kind of a cool sleeper rocky horror hit on oh wait that was all bullshit okay oh oh we they were making fun of us i they were see making fun of us yeah and and like and it was only like a few thousand people most people like had no intention of even ironically seeing morbius right 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 yeah so um so yeah uh that is that is unfortunate um but yeah this was but it went on to be like the word of mouth was actually good and and you know after we got out of the holidays especially i think in that second week that sort of like new year's week um is where it started to pick up steam where like it barely dropped and it just like it kept churning and kept churning and making money um i think it ended up making like 175 or something worldwide something like that um and i remember like and Scott, you, you you probably have even a better perspective on this than I do. Stallone had been down like public eye for like, a long time at this point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I was gonna I was gonna talk about that. Please, um, yeah. But but uh before I did, I did want to mention just like but like going back to that first week, because it opened December twentieth. Um okay. so five days before Christmas. 
And I was there the like midnight screening or whatever the night before. Um, I was there because I was so excited for another Rocky movie because I had just I think I had just recently fallen in love with the movies all over again after having mm-hmm. not seen them like since I was, you know, a, a kid. Um, yeah. And um, had had just started falling in love with them again because I think they released like a DVD box set or something like that. And so I bought that and I was like, oh, man, I haven't seen these movies in a while. Let, let me rewatch them. Um, and then it was like after I was like, oh, man, these movies are great. I love this series. Then they announced Rocky Balboa. And I was like, wow. Like, you know, yeah. probably great not trailer. realizing it. Yeah. Not realizing in my head that like, oh, they probably released all these on DVDs to like do exactly what they did to me, which was like churn up excitement for this forgotten yeah. franchise, you know. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so I was there. I was like, I was like ready to go. And I was alone. I went and saw this by myself in the theater, and I was the only person in the theater. Whoa. I had a I had a private screening for this movie. Um, in uh, this would have been in Columbus, Indiana. Um, and I was there opening night, the only person in the theater watching um, Rocky take his final bow. And I remember like walking out and just being like, "Wow, they did it! What a movie!" Um, and not having anyone to share that with <laughs> oh man because there was no one to talk to um because my you know like my grandpa had passed like it was just so it was just there was no one to talk to about how good this movie was um so that was a bummer but uh uh but i i loved it and i think i even saw it again i think i took maybe my girlfriend at the time to go see it again and she was like yeah okay whatever you know, it wasn't what? just yeah. just didn't have anything. Just didn't went right over. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, whatever. It was a movie. Um, I remember that particular girlfriend liking Southpaw a lot more. Um, wow, yeah, that's like a that's a long gap. Yeah, uh, is it? When did South Park come out? Uh, I think like uh, like the year that Trump got elected. I think like sixteen. No, really? Oh wow, yeah, twenty fifteen with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, what was was there another boxing movie that came out around this time? I think you're. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, there was okay. Well, there was Grudge Match. Yeah, but that was like that. around Southpaw era. Um, yeah, boxer, boxer, boxers. Um, gosh, there really hasn't been that many. Cinderella Man, 2013. Cinderella With Russell Crowe, right? Yeah, maybe it was that. I I felt like I feel like it was something that had a sort of like Anto- Antoine Fuqua kind of vibe to it. But got it. Yeah, I can't I can't remember what it was. Um, in any event, couldn't have been Southpaw then. But in any <laughs> event, um, the uh uh okay so so you know right after Rocky Five right Stallone sort of shakes it off, goes right into into working. This is when um. He starts having basically as many hits as he has misses, right? You're looking over the state of his career in the 90s. Um, you know, he's got a cliffhanger, huge hit, right? Demolition Man, modest hit. People like it. It's a cult, it's a cult favorite at this point, I think. Um, but then you have things like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, in which he was goaded into starring by Arnold Schwarzenegger um as a practical joke of <laughs> you know <laughs> like bugs and, bunny drawing a painting of a tunnel 
Yeah, absolutely. And you've got um, Judge Dredd, right? Which I saw uh, opening day, I think, opening weekend in theaters. My dad took me to see that. Um, back when, uh, remember when Rob Schneider, I miss these days. But remember when Rob Schneider was just like the sidekick in a bunch of action movies? Yeah, definitely. Remember when that was like, well, we have to have a squirrely little funny guy. Yeah. Man, I miss those days. Honestly. <laughs> I could go the- for another movie like that. Uh, remember when we were like vaguely charmed by Rob Schneider? <laughs> yeah. We were like, hey, yeah, he's here. He'll bring the laughs. Yeah. <laughs> he won't like depress us. Oh, man. Um, so, uh, won't be the first time Rob Schneider comes up today. Um, nice. but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was a lot of, but then, you know, you, you had a lot of hit, you had a lot of misses. Um, and one of the biggest misses was, of course, Copland. Um, which was hugely, you know, touted as like, this is a return to form for Sylvester Stallone. He is playing a dramatic role. He's he's gained a bunch of weight to be like this out of shape cop. And he's going to like play this this role in this big dramatic James Mangold movie. And it's going to be it's going to be huge. He's He could be up for an Oscar. This could be a best picture contender. Um, and then the movie flops. No one seems to really care. And Sylvester Stallone is sort of like, oh, no one, I did so much for this, and it amounted to nothing. No one cares. Um, for the record, Nick and I rewatched Copland like a couple years ago. Slaps, slaps so hard. Copland is like an uh, absolute yeah. banger of a it's movie. It's great. That was my first time oh, watching it actually with you. Yeah, mine too. Um, oh, cool. So good. Such a goddamn good movie. Yeah, because I fell for the, t- the everything at the time of like, yeah, his movie sucks. It's really sad that he like got fat and, and tried to act like he's a right. real actor or something. Um, it was it, like everyone really had it out for him in the 90s. Uh, they like did not want to see him fly too high. Um, and, and it was the same thing. It was interesting because like the same thing was sort of happening to Arnold Schwarzenegger through the 90s, but he was sort of letting it roll off his back, you know, yeah. um, a, a lot more than than Stallone. Like he wasn't letting it bother him. And then eventually he was like, I'm just going to become governor. The hell with it. Whatever. <laughs> well, um, uh, I, I think Schwarzenegger had the luxury of a public persona that leaned a bit more. I think he just kind of wore comedy a bit easily than Sly did. Yes. And so he could kind of like and like, you know, I don't think Schwarzenegger has even attempted anything in the realm of what Schwarzenegger or what, what Stallone does in Copland. Like, right. Maybe that zombie movie where like her I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, so I was like, I, I was like, that's the only time that I could think of, like, where people were like pushing like, oh, it's it's He's really acting. Arnold's an actor now, like an actor. Um, I never saw that. No, never saw it. Uh, I can't. I can't bring myself to watch zombie movies anymore. Um, so so fucking tired of them. Like uh, <laughs> like I think when we last talked about Stallone with Spy Kids three, it was like okay, this is kind of this is where he's at, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, and that we all that also comes up in a little while. Oh, um, but but yeah, it's it was a rough time for Stallone and. Um, after, I mean, he sort of like went earnest with it after Copland, but, um, even prior to Copland, he was trying to do a Rocky six because he was like, I need to, I want to do another like drama. I don't want to, I don't want to do all these action movies. You know, he was Mr. Planet Hollywood. 
through the nineties. And it was, he was getting tired of it. He wanted to do like a real juicy role. And he was like, but I know just like back in the seventies when I was only playing heavies, you know, I know that no one's going to give me that part unless I write it for myself. And the, the character that I always come back to when I want to do that is Rocky. And so he's like, so he starts writing Rocky six and he writes multiple drafts kind of not going anywhere. Um, there is a, uh, you know, he wrote five drafts in which Adrian was alive. Um, Adrian was alive and their son was in the air force and he was just like, you know, I know I'm getting older, but I want to, I want to fight again and her trying to talk him out of it. And then eventually, you know, acquiescing and he goes and he fights one last, one last round. But like every time he wrote it, he was like, ah, it's, it, there's something this isn't that interesting, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and uh and the studios agreed. Like none of them wanted it. They they also thought the franchise was dead and they were like, I this isn't the kind of role that people want to see you do anymore. Um, they want to see you as action guy and and that's it. Um and so, you know, he sort of put it in a drawer. He got offered Copland and he was like, Well, here's my ticket. This is exactly what I'm looking for. So he goes all in on Copland, and that turned out you know, to not do that well for him. And to this day, he doesn't like talking about it. He doesn't like talking about Copland because it, it hurts um, because he still remembers what people had, the people's reaction, like critics reaction and, and um, you know, the press's reaction to him gaining all this weight and paparazzi following him around and trying to take embarrassing photos of him and all this shit. Um, and for what? A movie that flopped, that wasn't nominated for anything, you know? And it was just like, he thought he was in a bad movie. And and that's because, like, I think that Stallone really does, at the end of the day, live off of what other people think of him. Because um, he comes from an era of acting when it wasn't just about the work and it wasn't just about you. It was about pleasing others, you know? And I think that, that he's carried that as like, I'm an entertainer first and foremost. And if I'm not entertaining people, I have failed. And so that's, I think that's why he thinks of Copland as like a failure, you know? You know, it's probably, even if just on a subconscious level, it probably isn't entirely an accident that his most iconic character, like a key part of those movies is there is always a part where every, a stadium full of people are chanting his name. Yep. Yep. And and also it's a person who gets the the shit kicked out of them for the entertainment of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, there's definitely there's a lot of allegory happening that I think he is even like not fully aware of at all times. Um, I think, in fact, this is probably the movie where it becomes crystal clear to him exactly what this character means to him. Um, but. Yeah, we'll we'll get there as we're yeah, going yeah. through the walkthrough. But in now, so in '99, post Copland, um, you know, he is like, okay, I'm going to go all in on Rocky Six, and so he writes the draft of Rocky Six that would become the movie. Which is, he realizes that if he if if the audience is going to get on Rocky's side, he needs to go back to being an underdog and having nothing. Um, but it has to be, but that's repetitive because that's, you know, that's the first movie. That's the second movie. He has to be, he has to have less than nothing. 
Um, and so he decides that not only is he going to have the isolation of no one rooting for him, but he also needs to have the grief of all of the loss that he's carried through his life, including the one thing, the one thing that gave him strength, which is Adrian. Um, and that ends up being the decision. And Talia Shire has talked about this decision because he went to her and was like, hey, I tried five drafts with you in it, and the movie doesn't work. This is what I'm thinking, you know, and, and gives her the script. And she talks about it like, yeah, I'm disappointed that I'm not in the movie. But also Adrian becomes this sort of mythic figure in the movie where she's sort of, she's in the movie, the entirety of the movie without actually being there. The movie is sort of about her and about his grief of missing her and what his life is missing without her and all of these things. And so, you know, she ended up saying like really nice things about the movie. And I think she was at the premiere and everything. Um, she really loves this movie despite not getting a chance to be in it. Yeah. Like it feels like, uh, honoring the character more than like doing another version of the staircase scene where like, right. You know, you're going to kill yourself. Don't do this. Oh, you know, like, because we our, our big complaint for the last three movies now has been like they just quickly run out of interest for Adrian, and at least this one, like, yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, uh, what what what's the hardest thing this character could go through? What's the one sucker punch that he wouldn't see coming that could knock him down after everything that he's been through? Right, right, exactly. Um, and. Uh... Yeah, so he writes the script. He's really proud of it, and he brings it to, uh, the you know the Winklers, um, and uh, they're all like, "No, this is a stupid idea. You're you're so old. No, you're you're in your fifties. There's no one cares about this character anymore. No it's one cares about boxing. Yeah, no one cares about boxing anymore. Um, you know, it's 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 a dead sport, and." Like, you're kind of a dead actor. Like, what's the last movie you made? Spy Kids 3D? No, we're done. Like, it's over. It's dead. Um, And he was like, can I take it to other places? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. Feel free. Just know that we're not doing this. And so he took it to other studios. All of them turned him down. All for the same reason. You're too old. No one cares about Rocky. No one cares about boxing. This is an unrealistic script. Get out of here. <laughs> Go on, get. Um, and, and he took it everywhere. But funny thing was happening um, in Hollywood. Uh, this, this, co- this major company called the Walt Disney Company um, was going through huge upheaval. Uh, you know, they lost one of their um, uh, creative partners who went off to create DreamWorks in the 90s. Um, and then, you know, they also lost another one, uh, a, a man named Joe Roth, um, who would leave Disney to start his own company called Revolution Studios. Um, Revolution would uh, basically start as a studio with um, such uh, surefire hits as uh, uh, Tom Katz. Remember Tom Katz with Jerry O'Connell? I do not. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was their first film. Uh, and The Animal, starring Rob Schneider, 
which was just announced to be getting a sequel uh, written and directed by Rob Schneider in a uh, Rocky style turn of events. Um, <laughs> you've got to do you've got to turn into a lady one last time, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, you switched. So Rogers, Rachel McAdams, right? That's what it is. Uh, the animal? No, the animal. Oh, I think of the hot chick. Yeah, yeah, that's the hot chick. The animal is the one where he acts like animal, various animals, yes, I think, great. and is being hunted. I think it's like a, it's like a dangerous game thing. I think Leguizamo's in it too, if I'm oh. not mistaken. Is he the pest? I think. Oh, is that what I'm thinking of? The pest. <laughs> Man. I don't know. Okay, listeners, if you if you know if you can remember what the animal and or the pest is about, let us know. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Um, it's a picture of him like in in long grass with a feather hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, that's all I ever know. It's like the poster. Yeah. Um. Let's see. <laughs> Marvin is a man who doesn't have what it takes to fill his lifelong dream to be a cop, but his luck changes when he's critically injured in a car accident. And a deranged scientist secretly uses animal organs to rebuild him. This is great. Energized <laughs> by his new pan- his new parts, Marvin leaves his weakness behind and achieves instant fame as a super cop. Now a hero, life is going great for Marvin until his animal instincts start taking over his body at all the wrong times. Um, yeah, now I remember. Now he he's like a cop and he like runs like a cheetah on all mm-hmm. fours to like capture the bad guys. But then like he'll be like on a date with a girl and start scratching his ear with his foot, you know, God, like a dog, like yeah, a dog. And lick, yeah. And licking his butt, you know? Yeah. Great. <laughs> like you're a classic Rob that. Schneider. <laughs> Man, what a dark time at the movies that was. Yeah. Um, but one of the, one of the things that Joe Roth does get is a, cause because he's one of the main producers, he was made, one of the main producers behind green lighting, pretty woman. He okay. has this, which became this massive, massive success. He has a, um, a, uh, uh, a very personal connection to Julia Roberts, and Julia Roberts basically signs a deal with Revolution to make all of her, or, or like a majority of her future films, um, her the things that she's producing uh, mm-hmm. at Revolution. So that becomes America's Sweethearts, which becomes one of their most mo- the, their first modest hits, and then you know. Then they would go on to do things like the one, um, and then their first, I think, big hit was Black Hawk Down, um, big big hit, uh, Triple X, um, but then still doing things like Stealing Harvard. Uh, You got Stealing Harvard. You got Punch Drunk Love. You got, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you got Anger Management. You got Darkness Falls. Remember Darkness Falls, the Tooth Fairy movie? Absolutely. I got to say, Scott, nothing. Few things make me more viscerally aware or and nostalgic of the 2000s, like the Revolution logo before a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so. Sylvester Stallone uh, meets with Joe Roth. Joe Roth, huge fan of the Rocky movies and loves the script. And says, I will be a financing partner on this. I, you know, I want revolution behind this thing. Let's make this thing. But this is, he wrote the script now in 1999. It is now 2005 or 2004 <laughs> before yeah. this movie finally gets greenlit. Erwin um, Winkler brings on his sons to help produce the film. 
and uh, and and I think this was also, I believe, the beginning of the uh, fissure in the relationship between Wink, the Erwin Winkler and the Winkler family and Sylvester Stallone. I think Sylvester Stallone never forgave the Winklers for not having his back on Rocky Balboa. Um, and, and having to like go to Joe Roth and with his, with his handout, you know, being like here, you know, please. Yeah. And then now to be like writing, writing the coattails of the Creed success. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and trying to get him, uh, not in the third movie, like, you know, having him not be a part of it. Uh, that was, that was a big deal as well. Um, but in any event, I'm sure you'll talk about that. Um, but we'll yeah, everyone, when this movie got greenlit and announced across the board, the press was like, oh, it's career desperation. You know, old, old man's uh, broken and he, do- he doesn't have a hit anymore. And now he's just trying whatever he takes as he's circling down the drain. Um, it was rough. <laughs> it was a rough time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like... Uh... I guess you know uh, earlier in the episode you mentioned like the the joke the all like the mad tv jay leno jokes seem to be based on the premise of he's unaware of his age this right this former adonis is living in denial that he's over the hill and you right. know like you know indiana jones 5 the search for viagra you know like yeah it, it's been the same joke for like almost 20 years now well, it's funny the when the announcement hit, um, one of the one of the main things was like, "Oh, uh, Balboasaurus," and <laughs> yeah. he ends up like literally lifting that and putting that in the in the script in the in the press junket scene, um, in the movie because he's like, "Yeah, that's the point, guys. Like, that's literally that's the point of the movie. I am actually very that's the thing. Is Stallone, I think, is very aware of himself, um, to a certain extent. I mean." I haven't seen the Expendables movies. I know you have. I have not. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, fair, yeah. Somehow, I, I, I feel like they're just not really my cup of tea. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm the target audience for those. But um, uh, I never got the sense that he is acting like he's in his 40s or something in those movies. No, I mean, like, the well, like, the, the <clears throat> premise of the Expendables. The Expendables, the Expendables movies are a bit more wish-fulfillment-y than the Rocky mm-hmm. movies because it's like Barney Ross and he's like, st- he's old. So he gets to make the joke of like, uh, it hurts. Like it doesn't like it, like it used to or whatever, but yeah, he can still keep up with the young guys. He's still like at a blues bar with Jason Statham and Terry Crews. Like, you know, we still got it, you know, where it's yeah. like, there's, <laughs> there's never like a subplot in an expendables movie where Barney Ross finds out that like his wife passed away or like, his his son yeah. isn't like contacting him anymore you know they're right, very much right. like it's it's kind of like you know like the spielberg like hey ready player one's not a film it's a movie it's kind of that mindset oh like okay yeah fair enough um but uh but yeah so they uh they go and they make the movie it gets greenlit for um a, a fairly low budget of uh of 23 million um 24 million uh, quite quite a bit lower than uh, the last the last few. Even in 1990, Rocky Five was like 40 million. Um, yeah. so you know, quite a bit lower. Uh, let's see some some interesting bits. Um, 
you know, Antonio Tarver ends up being like, uh, you know, uh, this is like his only role in any movie. Um, oh, Mason the Line Ma- Dixon. Mason the Line Dixon. It's the only time he's ever played a character in anything. He was a real boxer, um, and uh, and and came in to play this part. And um, all of the boxing in the final scene, all of it, Nick, all of it is real. Um, I could I could tell, in yeah. not a great way sometimes. Yeah, all of it was real. Um real punches, uh real connections and um uh choreographed uh on the fly. Um it was kind of improv. A lot of it was. Well, it's it's a return to, you know, you 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 brought this up in Rocky 5 how mm-hmm. the fun of that movie was he didn't have to do any of that, but now he's back in the director's chair and back kind of in the zone of having a hand in every facet of the movie. Right. Right. He said that if he was going to go down in a blaze of glory, um, he wanted to be the one piloting the plane. Uh, that's how he put it. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, and and yeah, the real uh, full contact hits, lots of injuries. But Sylvester Stallone said that, um, you know, at one point he did break his foot uh, during the injuries um, and he said that his foot had been bothering him for a really long time. And after the surgery. That fixed his foot when it healed. Uh, he was like, "My foot is better than ever." <laughs> he's like, "He's like so." Uh, turned out uh, breaking my foot was the best thing for it, um, <laughs> which know? is crazy. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, and then he shot. Um, you know the 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 movie was shot on uh, on thirty five millimeter, but the um, uh, the boxing sequences were a mix of uh, high definition digital recordings and. Um, 35 uh, for some of the more cinematic shots. But, you know, his thought process was like, the last time we shot one of these fights, which was in Rocky Four, you know, in 1985, uh, you know, boxing matches were done on, on, on TV, on broadcast TV. Um, now, HBO and pay-per-view have become the standard for these. They, they have built a standard for what boxing matches look like. And so he was like, I want to tap into that because I've never done that before. Um, and so that's what his uh, his thought process was um, with uh, the way that the fight was shot. And uh, I don't know. You can just tell that there's there's, you know, there's a there's a sense of maturity, not just because he's old, but like a maturity in the filmmaking where you can tell he has a lot more knowledge and is a lot more comfortable um, behind the uh, behind the camera. He's trying uh, hard, but it's sort of like in all of the right ways in mm-hmm. like he, he, it's all intelligent thought. It's not just like, oh, this would be cool or, oh, wouldn't this be like a great way to like, you know, shoot my body or whatever. There's not really any narcissism in what he's doing in this movie. Um, and, uh, I found that really interesting and, and also, I mean, we'll get there, but there's a lot of stuff in here that people call out as like cringy of like, Oh, the cringy old man, like, you know, trying to have a love story with like a younger woman and whatever. And I'm like, he literally writes lines in this movie where he like goes out of his way to tackle that in the most, like, uh, like in the most like tender way possible. To say both like, no, that's not what I'm doing. And also, if you think that's what I'm doing, I want you to know that like, 
don't think that, please, and be uncomfortable. Like, it's so tender. And it's just like, it, it, it offends me when people reference that of like, oh, yeah, Stallone, like the pig. Like, he just wrote a movie where he kills off his old wife. That's why Talia Shire's not in it, because she's old and he wanted to be with a younger woman. And I'm like, that's not what's going on here, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I did think at one point, like, oh, like, 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 wait till Gen Z discovers Rocky Balboa. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he also shot all of the farmer's market sequences, um, improv cinema verte. Uh, and so there's that moment where that woman walks up to him and is like, Hey rock, nice seeing you in town again. That was just some lady who just like was there and was like playing along with like, Oh, he's being Rocky. So I'm going to like treat him like Rocky. And she ended up in the movie because of that, (laughs) which is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll talk about it, but that it really is like a, a, a magical little slice of the movie for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know, he says that it was a really rough shoot, but that jazzed him because in the history of Rocky, he was like, all the rough shoots were all the best movies. It was like the easiest ones were the third one and the fifth one. Um, and he was like, and those are like the worst ones. <laughs> In, in his opinion, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he was like, so, like, the fact that this was a hard shoot, like, I had a good feeling about this one. It's like um, a good sign. Yeah, it's a good sign. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited to talk because it, it ages so interestingly compared – because, like, I, I am – I you know, we're both old enough to remember when this was his, like, the old man still got it movie. And he's made, like, five of those sense yeah like that was what struck me the most watching it tonight was how young he looks yeah i know and people were saying he was an old man and they were like oh god like remember all of the um the steroids talk everyone was like oh he's on steroids and then like i said he has the veins on the one side of his chest and i told you that's from when he dislocated his his pec Um, right yeah yeah I think, and I, I just want to preface this. I have I have enjoyed every single guest we've had on the Rocky series so far. They've been like mm-hmm. such fun episodes and like you know really great conversation. That being said, I have noticed a kind of like generational difference in perspective on Stallone, where yeah. I think if you are past a certain age, you're old enough to remember top of the world Stallone, king of movies king of pop culture and i've noticed kind of a reflexive need to like take him down a peg yeah that like you and i like don't really feel the need to like like make fun of his height or like hint about him being on steroids because right i think we kind of see him more as an underdog or like a guy who used to be really big yeah yeah i mean honestly when you look at sylvester stallone i think the perfect you know encapsulation of sylvester stallone is Sylvester Stallone is the Kirk to to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, Bones and Bruce Willis's McCoy or Bruce Willis's Spock because you know he's this perfect sort of like triangle of those three guys the three biggest action stars of the nineties right mm-hmm. and you have Arnold Schwarzenegger who could do comedy 
and do comedy well. He had comedy chops, but would also do like big, like roided, roided out action movies, right? And then you have Bruce Willis, who would do action movies where he sort of like takes himself down a peg. He's a little more like self-deprecating and and like whatever. Um, sort of like a like a proto Ryan Reynolds in a way, sort of, um, sure, especially yeah. in his younger days. Um, but then he would do a very much one for me, one for them kind of approach where, yeah, he would go and do as many diehard movies because he liked the paychecks. But also he would do shit like Death Becomes Her or, you know, a Wes Anderson movie or The Sixth Sense. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> yes, totally, totally. Um, you know, and he would do movies like that because he really respected the craft. And when, and, and but he was very successful at that because at the end of the day, Bruce Willis wasn't like a roided out meathead. He was just like a regular dude. Um, he, he kind of slipped into the average everyman role in a way that like Stallone and Schwarzenegger, it would always like, well, why is this guy working at an office or like, right. You know. So the only, the only, the only like place where, because Stallone looks so much like Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger was like, well, then I got to get into comedy because then it's funny if somebody who looks like me is in these ridiculous situations and we can play the comedy in there and whatever. But Stallone, who's never been great at comedy, right, and felt that he was like a dramatic actor, he has always struggled with a career that has done anything he was very easy to make fun of because he's a very earnest try hard actor actor you know mm. and but he wasn't getting the parts like bruce willis was getting because no one would believe him in those roles and so he just got this he got trapped where he's like i want to have the career that bruce willis has you know where he gets to go be in the sixth sense but stallone could never be in the sixth sense because he's never not going to look like the way he looks um, one of my one of my dreams in life is if I ever get to become a legitimate filmmaker, there's a role in a movie that I want to write that I want to write for Stallone. That is a just a total dramatic role that I'm just dying for him to play because it's just like that's the kind of thing that he I, I want him to have another shot at a copland that like, you know, go in. Without the ex- all the expectations, all of the, the Academy Award expectations, just go in being like, no, I just want to have a movie where I get to like act, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he's turning to TV with like that Tulsa, Tulsa King show. Yeah. yeah but Tulsa, then yeah. it sucks because he has to, he still has to play a heavy in that because. Right. You know, yeah. It's, he's still alone. Well, like, uh, like absolutely when it comes to like skill or you know, screen presence. There's no reason Stallone couldn't have done like Looper. It's, it's just totally. that, like, it's very unlikely that when Ryan Johnson was writing Looper, he was like, Oh, you know, it'd be great is in this is Sylvester Stallone. Right. It's like, you know, an interesting example. Would be it would like, have been way easier to do Stallone and Milo Ventimiglia than Bruce Willis and, yeah. <laughs> and Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt in a crazy prosthetic. prosthetic yeah. They're yeah. back. The dream team <laughs> right. reunited. Yeah. Man. Uh, terrific. Oh, terrific. Hey, terrific casting with Milo Ventimiglia. Uh, unbelievable cast. Like, I don't know that there's ever been better casting than that, honestly. Like, it's just. And, like, it gets better every year in hindsight because, like, you know, the older Milo Ventimiglia gets, like, you watch This Is Us or whatever, and you're like, God, he really is just aging into, like, Stallone. 
Yeah. And he's also like, I feel like he's been, he like works out now. And so he's a little broader mm-hmm. and a little, he's a little beefier. Not like, he's a little more like Bruce Willis beefy than Stallone beefy. Right. No, but, we've all seen know. the shot, the, the the shots of the shorts, the thighs. Yeah. And walking out of the Absolutely. gym. Absolutely. But in this one, he is still very much like Jesse from Gilmore Girls. Like, very mm-hmm. you know what blew my mind i was watching gilmore girls the other day and i was like wow this came out in 2002 and i'm watching this and this came out in 2006 this and is it's height like, of heroes height of here that's true okay yeah he was fully peter petrelli yes yeah. just crazy that was only like four years apart yeah yeah between like playing a high schooler to playing like you know a disgruntled office guy right right yeah yeah. But it's it's it sucks because I think, you know, like, yeah, like Schwarzenegger was lucky enough to get like roles that really fit him. Like, I mean, like Jingle All the Way or Twins, where like he was good at playing like or even expanding what mild mannered average American meant, which is was kind of cool. But it's like, yeah, the same. It just yeah, he, like he's stuck in the middle of like missing these. These like gifts, these yeah. opportunities. Yeah, and so what Rocky became was the one place, the one film franchise, the one place where he could play that dramatic game, you know? Express some humanity. Yes, absolutely, and be that earnest actor that he he always wanted to be and just, you know, was trapped inside this body, this, like, Adonis body um, that was... You know, it's it's ridiculous, but it's also it became his brand. And so he just got trapped in it, Um, you know, through the 90s. He just looked the same, like all through the 90s. He just he never really changed. He never because like, you know, we were talking about how his body changed over the course of those first four movies. Right. But then like post five, he just became like Sylvester Stallone and kind of looked the same other other than Copland aside. Kind of just looked the same, like you know, Demolition Man, Judge Dredd, Sylvester. They're the same, right? Know? It's kind of like paper dolls, where like the skin, the clothes, the costume. You're like, oh, I, oh, oh, that's Demolition Man, or that's Judge Dredd, right. or that's Cliffhanger. But the right. same kind of hair, puffy, kind of like that '90s hair that he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I almost wonder if there's a comparison to be made between like, uh, uh, like Vin Diesel. And Sylvester Stallone, you know, oh, totally. so, so Vin Diesel is Sylvester Stallone as The Rock is to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, there's so many parallels where, like, you know, you see, like, Vin Diesel was someone who got his knocks, kind of got knocked yeah. down a peg, and then was like, oh, I think I have to rally. I think my only way to keep being the guy is by falling back on this character that I had when I was younger. Yeah. And, like, kind of wrestled authorship of that character away from yeah. whoever the hell wrote the fast and the furious. Yeah. And then also, and, uh, they both end up in the, as the voices in James Gunn, James Gunn. movies. Yeah. Weird. And like, James, <laughs> and James Gunn has always had a real, I know he's not the casting director, but he always has had a really good eye for like giving actors opportunities that they might not have been given otherwise. Yeah. You know, That's true. like, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I would have come up with, like, Maria Balaclova as Cosmo the Space Dog, but sure, I'm like, oh, wait, that's actually, that rules. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 
I don't know. I, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking back on, on, you know, on Stallone and I, and I really just, I have a big soft spot in my heart for this guy. Um, and it, because like, there's just a part of him that I just, I understand him, I guess. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff about him that I don't get at all. Like I certainly don't get his obsession with the gym and like that sort of more, um, uh, hyper-masculine sort of, uh, testosterone side of Stallone. I've never quite understood, right? I was watching um I was watching some like uh, uh rocky documentary things like, you know, that came out around the time Balboa came out um as research for this. And one of them like had these these clips of like all of these guys presumably from Philadelphia because they had they had Philly accents, but mm-hmm. like they were all um probably coming out of a screening or whatever and talking about like what rocky means to them and they were like they were like yeah you know like he just he's the ultimate underdog and you know he goes out there but he never stops believing in himself and he just you know he does whatever it takes to win and like blah 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 and i remember what people thought about like rocky 2 one of the things that i don't think i mentioned was that like a lot of people especially at the time when rocky 2 came out they were like oh rocky 2's better why? Oh, because he wins in this one. Right. Yeah. And it's like, that's what they want. And that's their idea of who this character is and who Sylvester Stallone is. And for whatever reason, the thing that I've always connected to has never been the boxing stuff. It's about what the boxing stuff represents to me in terms yeah. of like the grind, you know, mm-hmm. everything leading yeah. up to the ring. Right. Right. And, I think something like yeah, because yeah, it, it is weird to find to to be inspired by this like big, successful, rich, physically fit dude. But I think yeah, when you look at him, you also kind of see a man who has been his his he has he has the scope, he has the vision, he wants to do this. I remember he wanted to do like an Edgar Allan Poe movie. Yep. And he is told by the outside world, no, you actually are this. You fit into this box. And we only want you to do this. And no one wants to see you do this. And I think we can all relate to that. Having dreams and goals and then being stopped by other the limits of other people's like vision for you or what they see in yeah. you. Yeah. And... Yeah, and so it's like it, it, it's weird because yeah, he is so successful, and he's like he has like some iconic movies in his filmography. But then also you think about how much further he could have gone, mm-hmm. or how much more expansive his career could have been if like certain pockets of time had gone differently. Right, right. If we hadn't forced him into this, you know, action star role. Yeah, because you mentioned you know he is there is a people pleaser quality to him. Yep. Of. Like maybe another artist would have been like, well, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to do this or I'm going to, I'm going to make this for like a shoestring budget or whatever. But he's like, well, no, like I'm Stallone. Like I'm an entertainer. I want, if, if, if the crowd doesn't want me to do it to a certain extent, I feel like maybe I shouldn't do it. Right. 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 Absolutely. And, and that's the thing too, is it's just like Stallone is a brand, you know, the way that the rock and um, I would say more of a brand. He Stallone has be- painted himself into a corner of being more of a brand than even like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis were, um, because he, he, it's so inflexible what 
he allows himself to do at this point, mm. you know? Yeah, there is um, no he, governator era for him. Right, right, because there's no, there's no, um, you know, I when I think of somebody who is a Sylvester Stallone fan, right, they want movies like Over the Top and Rambo 2, you know, and all the, that's what they want is like, you know, greasy muscles and gritted teeth and like, yeah, like that's what I want. Testosterone. Um, mm-hmm. And for those have been his main fans for so long that giving them something that they're not interested in, like Copland, um, you know, that is going to. To him, he's like, oh, I betrayed my fan base with this. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. they're they're telling me that they don't want to see me fat behind a desk, you know, playing a character. They mm-hmm. want me buff and, you know, with with a six pack at 60. Yeah. You know, given given the young guys what for. That's, that's what we, that's what they want. Right. Yeah. And I think like this sort of the, the success of this movie it's really, it's really interesting because it, 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 he's constantly a guy who is undone by his own success. Yep. Like he gets a hit and then like he won't stop until he misses again and then starts at bottom. And that's kind of like the arc of his career because after this we had like the Rambo remake, Expendables, but then that started to run out of gas. And then by the time Creed came out, that felt like a comeback movie like again. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and it still breaks my heart that he didn't win the oscar for that um yeah. still still to this day i'm just like i'm i'm heartbroken because man i i feel like that's all he would have wanted is like he gets that and i think he would have i i don't think he would be still trying to he wouldn't have been in samaritan he wouldn't have you know sure been tulsa king he would have like probably let go of some of his muscle mass and like became an old man and like an old man character actor. Maybe he just needed that thing, that statue to like validation. tell him like, yeah, that validation of like, no, we like this. You did a good job. You don't have to be that guy anymore. You know, like you are, you are a quote, real actor. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, who won that year? <laughs> Was it one of the dudes in spotlight? Uh, Maybe, or was it? For some reason, I want to say it was Mark Rylance in in ooh, um, I in um yeah, Bridge of Spies, Bridge of Spies. That's I want to say that that's what it was. Um, I could be wrong, but for, that's what it is in my memory. That's a good one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good. One. I mean, yeah, it's Mark, <laughs> Mark Rylance is great. Oh <laughs> uh, man, but can Mark Rylance go toe to toe with Mason the Line Dixon for twelve rounds? 10 10 yeah tops yeah it's an ex it's an exhibition 10 rounds <laughs> um so they don't yeah because they didn't want to call it an execution right <laughs> god <laughs> uh this is probably I... the most punny <laughs> of the rocky scripts that he's written yeah there's some there there's some jokes uh yeah god i remember the trailer for this movie so clearly mm-hmm like that was a line the 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 Pauly joke where where um where Duke's like listing all the injuries Rocky has and and Pauly's like yeah I got that problem too yeah totally 
I remember that line. Um, <sighs> so we could totally do a walkthrough if you want. It, it, it is just the two of us, but, yeah. um, uh, I, 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 I appreciated that the series carried on the title sequencing of having like the big sliding title. Yeah. It felt like it would have been, uh, so I, okay. So we get, uh, we get Mason, the line Dixon knocking someone out. It's a quick knockout. Everyone's booing. And I have a grievance to air Scott. <laughs> okay this series has one idea for a conflict a boxer can have uh-huh and it is you have only been fighting drunk like people we've like paid and bartered to stumble onto the ring and you have beaten <laughs> them senseless and none of your wins are valid and yeah you've got a paper belt you're a you're a schmuck you haven't had one real fight it's like I remember when they were saying that about Rocky in in Rocky Three. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a real thing. That's the thing is like sports are very repetitive. Um, but but with uh, it's why I don't watch them. Um, but but it's uh, you know, in terms of like this, it's specifically that like like I agree that this this does happen multiple times over the course of this of the series, but in this particular case. Boxing is a dead sport, and that's what's happening here. Is like he doesn't have anyone to fight because, like, no one's becoming a boxer anymore. Like, you know, they don't bring it up, but like UFC was on the rise at this point. Mm, you know, yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, it would be. This would be a, an interesting. I, I, I wish we did have like a guest who here who was more actively involved with like watching boxing or fighting at the time. To was this actually considered a downturn? for the sport at the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I um, mean, I seem to remember it cause I would watch boxing matches with my grandpa all the time. And by the time, you know, the like Mike Tyson rolled around. Yeah. Those guys Boya. like, yeah, all at once they were out, once they retired, it was like, no one really replaced them. And they, they tried to have guys, um, you know, come up like, uh, uh, like Antonio Tarver, but like, it just wasn't the same. Because, I mean, like, you're even, like, looking at Tarver, and he doesn't look like Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's in this movie. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. He kind of just sort of reminds me. He's got rolled shoulders, which is mm. a, a, I thought was fascinating, Um, you know, just from a physique standpoint of, like, a boxer. You would think he'd have big, broad shoulders to, like, you know, swing. But he kind of had rolled shoulders, yeah. you know? They were kind of, like, rolled down. And... He wasn't like ripped. He's in good shape, but he kind of he, like just normal well, he, athletic body, you know? Right. Yeah. He looks like a real boxer that you would watch on HBO and not like Dolph Lundgren or Mr. T. Yeah, totally. Um, but like, yeah, so I don't know. Um, I think it's, it's fascinating what you said earlier about how Rocky for being like arguably the biggest boxing franchise in pop culture was asleep for the entire pay-per-view let's get ready yep. to rumble era yep and so like seeing the seeing it try and catch up with that was like really interesting yeah yeah um it was interesting but it really it really helps to show how much time has passed yeah 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 like yeah. It, it's a different era like this yeah. is not like the 70s anymore right um, right it's cool really liked um, uh take it back playing over the opening credits yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, 
it's uh yeah and then we get um we get uh Adrian's gravestone um and mm. i just love I, again i don't know stallone is so in 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 touch with this character to such a ridiculous degree and is so specific about both him and Polly, especially in this movie. There's so many little things about these two characters that they do that I'm always just like, God, how do you come up with something like that? Like, it has to just be that he pays attention to the people around him and just remembers stuff and holds on to it and saves it or whatever. But shit in this movie, like how he stashes the, the chair up in the tree. So that yeah. he can always, whenever he wants, he can just come and grab it and sit and talk to Adrian. Um, that is just such a, like, just such this little thing that is so specific and so exactly what Rocky would do, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah. later, way later in the movie when, like, Polly's at work and he's painting. Oh, I'm like, yeah. My, my grandpa did that. My grandpa had <laughs> so many paintings. He would just paint, like, just... It was like, you know, his hobby. He just painted. And I was like, that wow. is that is like the craziest shit like that you just never see. You don't see that in any of the mob movies, right? You don't see that. Their idea of like, you know, just Italians just, you know, living their life is cooking. That's it. That's <laughs> end of it. And granted, that's a big part of it. Absolutely. But little details like that and like um, uh, when he wakes up in the morning. And, um, and, and he, he feeds the birds and he pours out the bird food and then the candy, my grandpa would do that shit all the time, all the time. Cause his logic is like, is like, well, I like candy. So like, I think, you know, like the raccoons and the birds, they would like the candy too. So he just puts the candy in the dish too. Um, that is, that is, it's, it's such a very specific character thing that I was like constantly blown away by while watching this movie where I was like, Oh my God. Like I've never seen that represented on screen. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. And yeah, it went, it went right over my head. It just seemed like, you know, personal. I mean, I I guess it's kind of like, you know, when, like when white people watch stuff like, like Coco or like, or or stuff (laughs) with other cultures of like, you know what, what it means to like, but I, what I, what I found myself thinking about is like, God, there's no way Stallone doesn't have like, a parenthood like or like a family drama a multi-generational family drama idea in him you know like man i know like the you know the guy's like has like five daughters and like he's had such a crazy life and like and like yeah that attention to detail like what would him writing just a drama be like you know yeah i know i know um but yeah I, i loved his i loved his morning routine i loved cuff and link back again after five movies um yeah i'm wondering still alive to this day (laughs) still alive to this very day (laughs) i'm a little loose on the timeline for bupkis like obviously bupkis is no longer with us but you don't see him after rocky too i think right and so you know what happened to bupkis that would be the one thing i would ask stallone if i ever I mean, I I just assume he died, you know, sometime during that montage that took us yeah. from the seventies into the eighties and three. <laughs> that, that five year gap, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a big dog. Yeah, he was a big dog. I mean, I don't, I don't, and he was like, I, well, I don't know. He was in a pet shop, so he probably wasn't a mutt. But I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway, um, yeah, the the, the Cineverte scenes of just when he, you know, there's a line that Rocky has 
with um with Polly where he's like, I think it's you know, when you live in a place so long or long enough, you become that place. Right. And when when you see him walking around the I ain't market, no talking like, building. <laughs> I ain't no talking Oh my god, yeah. It's <laughs> it's um it, he is Philadelphia. He is this neighborhood and just it's kind of like he's it's he's in such a low place, but as a fan or as a viewer, he seems more at home in this world than the mansion. Like yes, that world. Yes. Um, you know, we've talked about Stallone and, and we've, we've mentioned it a couple times already, but like Burt Young absolutely crushes this movie. Yeah. He's, he's, he is, he is turning out a performance that is so beyond everything that he did in all the other movies and he did some good stuff but like there's something subtle about what he's doing here that i am just like subtle and also like just effortless yeah yeah it feels like he's he's so lived in paulie is just such a living breathing character that Mm -hmm. you feel like you're just yeah this is what this guy would be like in his like late 60s or yeah I uh, like, and he's so. Because uh, I, I mentioned this, I think by Rocky four and five, he was getting a little like R two D two C three PO. Yeah, and I think this really brings him back down to like, but like the little the moment where like you know they're at the ice rink or where the ice rink used to be, and yeah, and Paulie breaks and he's like, dude, like you have good memories. I don't. I was bad to Adrian, so I only have bad memories. This is really. Hurt, hurting me to just follow you around as you wade through the past. He doesn't say it like this at all, <laughs> but right. like you, it's like, Oh, this dude is like a living, he has his own shit going on. And like that Stallone is able to get that across in such few words. And like just one scene is so, you know, it, it really hit me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really good scene. Uh, I will say though, um, he still finds a few moments to let him be like a C-3PO character, like in the For sure, in the in the training montage where he like he tries one weight lift. Yeah. He's like, oh, and he's like holding his side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like, I ain't no talking building. Um, yeah, I ain't no talking building. <laughs> they they just complement each other so well, because I feel like Polly somewhere between Polly and Rocky, you get reality. Yeah. Like, like you know yeah like that life sometimes that just throws you some rough curveballs um yeah yeah uh rocky now runs the restaurant adrian's yeah which is great i i was like god yeah one one day one morning in like oh one he woke up and he was like wait why don't i just open a restaurant yeah he probably he's probably been running it since the 90s i would bet that's true yeah yeah because Adrian died in 2002, um, uh, January of 2002. Just just live long enough to see 9-11 happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> really, really got it. And it was like, well, that's enough for me. Um, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Um, <laughs> Did Bethany point that out? No. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was just something that I realized. Um but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, and I imagine that it, it had to have been around because it seems like it's been around for a lot longer than, you know, since just since she's been gone, which has only been yeah. like four or five years. So. It's a lived in. It's a lived in set. It has like yeah. a history to it. And uh, yeah. we get the return of Rocky one MVP Spider Rico. Yeah. 
Yeah, opening scene fighter Spider Rico, the bum. Um, it and it just points to you know Rocky is still a big-hearted guy. He hasn't. Yeah. You know, this guy is like a remnant. And I think that's true as you get old, the older you get, the more you cling to anyone that was even around during that time in your life because they start blinking out and yeah. you need other people to like remind you that that time was even real. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that Stallone gets his key, the rights to his character back. Because I would not, lo- I would love nothing more for him to make one more Rocky movie that has nothing to do with boxing and is just about Rocky running this restaurant. Oh hell yeah, that's it. No boxing. He can talk about boxing, but there's yeah, yeah. no boxing in the movie, and it's just him, you know, just just walking around Philly, going to the farmers market, some like drama with the mm. with the restaurant, and like. Just restaurant shit. Oh my god! Call it Adrian's. Oh my god! Come on, that's right. that shit. That would make so many Sylvester Stallone fans absolutely furious. But oh my god, it would be a movie just made just for me specifically. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, yeah, has like a big family dinner at the end, or like, yeah, or like maybe the restaurant's about to go under, so the whole neighborhood gets together and like, hey, yeah. it's Rocky, we gotta. Or like, uh, or like, uh, 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 Milo Ventimiglia like loses his job and has to like take a job uh, at Adrian's and work with his dad. Hell yeah! And just like, you know, figure that out and then like have to like take over the restaurant. It could even be the one where Rocky dies. Like maybe he dies at the end, like in like a sad, dramatic way, not like in like a like Punched a oh you're dying like kind of way just like a, like yeah, he's an like, old man and he passes away you know and then it's and then it's yeah and then robert is like well no oh this is i'm about boba this is my dad's restaurant this was my legacy like i'm gonna i'm gonna keep adrian's open yeah yeah because now he's this is us my there's a whole generation of people who like that's daddy like that's, oh my god you know yeah yeah you could do you could you could call it you could call it rocky's legacy Rocky's legacy. Boom. Yeah. Not Rocky legacy. Rocky's legacy. Yeah. Rocky's um, legacy. Yeah. Do we, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure they bring this up in Creed, but like we never see grandpa Rocky, which is a tragedy. Uh, no, because, um, well, no, we do for a second, like a second, because remember okay. his, his son's not talking to him again. We'll yeah, see next Vancouver. week. Yeah. And, and <laughs> right. But then, uh, uh, but then he ends up going over there, like at the end of the movie, this is either Creed or Creed Two, and then he like meets his grandkid yeah. and like picks him up, and then they go inside the house together. You know, and I cry, I cry like a baby. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> oh man, absolutely. Uh, so we'll deal with that. We'll deal with that next week. Yeah. And Rocky, uh, he just he's kind of he's like haunting Philly. He's fully not over Adrian's death in a way that is completely relatable. And I think yes. it just it, it brings this character back down to humanity. Like not few things are more human than just mourning over the loss of your other half. Right. Like, right. It, you know, it's like that. He's like, he doesn't even know what to do with himself. Right. And he's and he's just like telling the same boxing stories over and over again, like table to table. And he's mm-hmm. doing it in a way that like it's it's almost scripted. 
where he's like he's not even looking at them. He's just like looking up like at the words on a teleprompter, kind mm-hmm. of, and even just going know through it. emotions. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, and it's and it's sad, but he knows it's sad, right? Like Sylvester Stallone knows that this is sad, and he knows that Rocky knows that this is sad, and that like that's what's sort of missing is like he doesn't have a spark anymore. There's mm-hmm. just there's nothing to spark him. And everywhere he goes to try and find that spark, whether it's the restaurant or memories of, of boxing or memories of Adrian or his son, every place that he goes, he kind of gets shut down. Yeah. You know, just... Polly yells at him about the memories about Adrian. He starts to feel like a fool for like all of the stories that he's telling at the restaurant, mm. you know, and his son doesn't and want him around. Doesn't run him around. Yeah. So it's just, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. And, and yeah. And then that, and then the video happens. Mm-hmm. He stumbles into a bar one night and meets another returning champ from movie one, uh, little Marie. Yeah. Screw you, creepo. Right. Played by, the I didn't great... say that. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Like, no, you, you did. Great insults last a long time. <laughs> great insults last a long time. <laughs> Oh so, my god, I love this script so much. So Marie in this film is played by uh Irish actress Geraldine Hughes. Scott truly, and I truly the most British looking woman I've ever seen. I was like, <laughs> there's no way in hell you're from Philadelphia. Look at your nose. Can't see a pint, love. Yeah, like you, yeah. you're like what, where yeah, what what's going on? Uh yeah. Looks like she has opinions about the monarchy. Scott, we <laughs> We recently saw another Geraldine Hughes performance not too long ago uh, on Franchise Potential. She played uh, Mrs. Evans, I believe, in the 2015 or whatever, 17, whatever the movie came out, Book of Henry. 18. 18? (laughs) Yeah. 18. Book of Henry. Yeah. Much, much better performance here. Yeah. She's the, she is the teacher that was like, right? She's the teacher that's like, remind me again why we don't put you in the, in the smart people classes. And he's like bullshit, and like all of the women, all of the adult women in that movie have a general vibe of like, should I fuck that little boy? He's so he's just so put together. The way he puts down his his mom for playing video games. Oh man, what a movie! Anyway, and uh, I think that's on the Patreon. You got you guys got to listen to that one. So the relationship between, and I think like yeah, Rocky is just really desperate to feel that spark of like community or feeling like he's helping someone. And so he really falls into like, you know, he, he gives Marie a ride home. He meets her, uh, Marie's son uh, steps and kind of mm-hmm. tries to start like, just like, I, 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 it was, it was so, I, I understand the, uh, the apprehension of like pairing him up and like, there was chemistry between the two of them from the get go for me. And I was like, Oh wait, are we doing this? What is this? And he's like, Hey, like, it's not this by the way. And I'm like, okay, good. Okay. Cause I don't that, know that I... scene in particular is, is done so well. Yeah. It is written so well because he was like, he was like, Hey, uh, you know, I noticed that, you know, you've been acting a little funny. I, you know, I just want you to know that like, I, you know, my wife's dead. My wife's gone, but she's not really gone. 
you know? Yeah. So if, if that's what you were, that's what you're thinking. That's not what this is. And she's like, that's not what I was thinking. Um, and then like, sort of, it's just like, whoa, like, you know, like, why would you like, I, that, that's not remotely what I was thinking, but it was also like, it, it, it sort of takes her off guard on twofold because one, that's not what she was thinking that this was romantic, but it's also the way that he presented it was just like, I just want you to know that like, you're safe. Like you can just act like a person. Like I'm not trying to get in your pants, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But do you didn't say it in a way that was like crass or like brought attention to it in a, in a crass way. in like, uh, I'm trying to get into your pants kind of way. It was just so gentle and just like, hey, my wife's gone, but she's not really gone. This isn't anything like that. I just sure. want you to know, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I have I think I think in these early scenes with with Marie, I think it works really well of her being like a remnant of like his past and like someone but also someone new, like a new relationship that he can fall into and just yeah. Fine, be Rocky. You know, Rocky's only Rocky if he's like bouncing off of someone, like fixing right. their light bulb or, you know, taking taking their son to go adopt a, a dog, uh, punchy. I um, I love the light bulb scene of just like the fact that he co- he cops it the first time he's there. He like clocks that oh their their light bulbs out on their on their on their patio on their porch, mm-hmm. and so. Then the next time he comes, he has he's stashed a new light bulb in his in his coat and just like pops it out while they're talking and switches them out. I just love that. I love little shit like that. That's so ugh. That's yeah, why I yeah. love these movies, you know? And it's stuff that, you know, kinda three and four, you kind of start running out of room for little moments like that because yeah. it's so like they're so short and they're so epic and they're just like bing, 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 you know, action, action. Yeah. And uh so you referenced it there. There is a then versus now computer generated like AI fight where we see Mason, the line Dixon fighting Rocky Balboa 76 version. I I love the idea of like, this is like an AI fight in 2006. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, really? no, like two, two nerds built this thing and made Rocky win. Cause he's cooler. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, to probably white coders uh-huh. design. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, this is <laughs> it's, it's two two times in a row in this man's life. A black athlete in his mid thirties just woke up one morning in the middle of like an incredible career and said, "You know what? I'm gonna torpedo everything." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so from Mason gets this scene where he meets like his old coach and it's like, you know what? Like your problem is you've never had a baptism under fire. You need a, you need a fighter. You need to meet a fighter that's going to take you to your limit and break you because at the end of that fight, you'll be able to respect yourself. And yeah. it's I was like, oh, it hit me like rock. He's so Mason's so lucky because like Rocky is like the only hero that he doesn't defeat his villains. He makes them better. Right. Right. And like, that's kind of this character's arc is he has to, he's reluctantly, he, he's not ready for what Rocky is bringing in. But I think by the end of that fight, he's kind of like a better fighter for it. Except for Tommy Gunn, who he actively makes worse. Um, yeah. Utterly destroys. 
<laughs> he turns into a worse person. I think Tommy Gunn might be the like the worst like person in the series. Oh yeah. It's a oh, little yeah. like it's it's unfortunate you know, he we get details of his like abusive childhood that we don't we don't ever get Clubber Lang's childhood. We don't ever get Ivan Drago's childhood. But like I feel like even Clubber Lang had that kind of like you're not bad, Stallion, like handshake at the end. Yeah. But yeah. Tommy Gunn, yeah. like no no redemption. No, nothing. Just li- li- leave him in the trash where he belongs. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, the detail of Robert being out with his shitty work friends, like when the computer fight is on mm-hmm. is great. Um, and then Rocky doesn't even see the fight when it's first on. Uh, <clears throat> Polly, right. Polly comes in after work and he goes, hey, turn on the, the, the Looney Tune fight. Turn it on. It's watch, watch it, Rocky. Rocks. No, no. Oh. Before work, he skips work. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be, I'm going to be late to work for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's still and at, it's, the, he, at the meatpacking plant. Yeah, that line where he's like, you know, that line, you know, what you said about becoming a place like this is my place. Like, this is where I belong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and that, then they, they pink slip his ass. And they fucking pink slip him. Because it, God, I think like I definitely have like older uncles and cousins, you know, that have like just worked at one place for like 40, 50 years. And like that yep. is, that is their life. You know, that's their yep. world. Yep. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Uh, there's just not enough, like, I don't know, man. Like, I can't think of a lot of other franchises that are even have a lens on, like, the working class the way this movie does. No. No. Especially one that loses that lens for two films. <laughs> right. Yeah. Loses it and then gets it back. And then gets it back. Um. And, and, and yeah, it's so, and it, yeah. This this franchise is so interesting. It's so interesting because it is a working, it's a working class series. Working class people really like these movies, right? And that's including those guys that are just like, yeah, I like it when he wins. You know, like those guys. It's dependable. You know what you're getting. Right. And that's why they don't like Rocky Five, and it's why they don't like this one. Um, Mm. It's why we don't have a guest here today because no one... (laughs) No one respects this movie. Like they don't, they just don't respect it the same way as the other ones. I think, yeah, I think I really do think Creed has a lot to do with that just because this really does a good job of synthesizing what they were attempting to do with five, but then also kind of playing the hits to an extent. Yes. Like, you know, you get gonna fly now you get uh, like all this, but man, that scene where Rocky visits, Polly in the meat shop and like has his first like breakdown where he's like, look, man, like it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do anymore. I can't keep living like this. I got stuff in the basement. Yeah. And he only had, uh, he only had, (laughs) listen, (laughs) I only came to, I only came here to do two things. Love Adrian and pu- and punch people in the face, and I'm all out of Adrian. Adrian's. <laughs> it's great. It's got um, a real like. It's got a real like. I I. It's you know boxing's all I can all I can do, and I got to do something kind of vibe. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like that speed racer kind of <clears throat> argument. Cause I think, yeah, because I think five was about him fighting that, and right. 
like he never he doesn't become a boxer at the end of five. He he stays like retired. But right. I think by the time we get to Balboa, he's learned that that's denying who he is. Yeah. And he has to fight. And to your point at the very beginning, the movie takes the you know, it makes it an attempt to be grounded in reality of like he cannot just get back in the ring. He has to go out for a license and absolutely does not get it. Yeah, yeah, they won't they won't let him and he has to like argue his way out of and it and it and he's right to do it cuz it's a really shitty thing that they did where they're like, "Yeah, no, we made you take all these little tests, but we had no intent. We were hoping you would fail one of them so we wouldn't have to have this conversation. But mm-hmm. you passed them all like an idiot and now we have to deny your license to yeah. your face." Um and and he's just like, what the fuck? Why why did you make me do the little dance then? You know? Yeah. He's like, I he passed says, them all. Yeah. He says something to the effect of like, <laughs> you can't tell someone they can't do what they feel like, what they know they can do, and who they are. Yeah. And I don't know. I got kind of like like watching. I'm like, oh, I wonder what Rocky would think of like like politics today. Of like. I think he would kind of, I think a lot of people would be surprised and being like, no, like the government can't tell you what you can and can't do or like what, who you, what, what you can like do with your life or you can be with or what choices you can make. Like I also have a very strong feeling that Rocky has never voted once in his entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Just because he's just just like, well, I don't know. That's something for smarter uh, people than me to decide. I don't know. Yeah, just, you know, I, I want a super cut of just what Rocky and Paulie were doing for every election day that they've been friends. Yeah, like nothing. Uh, like they're at a bar. Hey, Rocky, look who's there with the election today. Oh, oh looks like Reagan won. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was an actor, you know. <laughs> pretty smart guy. Because <laughs> that's the thing. He could. He would never say a negative word about anyone. No, so I don't think he'd just he be could like, ever. Yeah, probably a smart guy. I don't know. Jimmy Carter, Become president, you must be. You know, he's like one of those guys. It's like it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. who the president is; they're the president, and they just respect them. Must be pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Junior learns about the fight, and he's very. I think Robert's arc in this is he's like more worried about what people think of him than how he feels. Right. Like his ego of people thinking that he's just Rocky's son, that everything he got was for Rocky. And now he's he's more stung by people laughing at Rocky than Rocky is. Well, and I also just think that he's there's this other aspect to it where it's not just about being Rocky's son. It's about stepping out of his shadow. Not just like people pointing and being like, hey, look, Ro- like your your dad's behind you. But just <laughs> yeah. like. I want to do something different than what you did. You know, right. like, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be known for the same stuff that you did. I want to do my own thing. And I also think it's interesting that Robert was born into a life of privilege and wealth. Mm-hmm. Law saw them lose it all. And when he tries to find a career path, what does he choose? Wall Street. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I that think that's is, like yeah. that. I think that's a really smart thing for because, like, yeah, like I said in the earlier drafts, he was just in the Air Force. It's so yeah. much smarter to have him be try to like being like a Wall Street big shot 
because he's like, I want to be rich like I was when I was a kid. You know? Yeah, you can imagine, like, you know, and they never put a, Stallone never hangs a hat on it, but you can imagine being like, yeah, if to, to see at a young age your father and mother lose everything and, like, you had to go, you were sleeping in a basement, getting the shit kicked out of you by bullies, you're like, I don't want that again. I, money can go away. I want to, like, be in charge of it and have a more better, a better handle on it than my dad did, bless his heart, but he wasn't, he was yeah. never good with numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. You know, um, you know what this movie is is missing. And if they do, if they do the Rocky's Legacy movie, mm-hmm. which I'm, 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 that's my creed. That's the one that I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna like pitch one day. But like, um, if they ever did that, what is missing is like, you know, almost like a Garden State way is the two kids from Rocky Five now as adults. Oh yeah, and they never left Philly, and they never mm-hmm. got richer you know maybe uh maybe uh uh, uh checky like live like works at the meatpacking plant same place that Polly did you know oh um, yeah yeah it just like having robert have to interact with them and like, and like oh shit i never this i grew up here but i didn't like yeah yeah oh, and man. then i was a bit, god there's oh there's so much juicy stuff there uh, <laughs> do you ever see that movie the judge with yes. Robert Downey Jr. Kind of like that. Like oh, yeah. dude goes back to his hometown, but doesn't it doesn't fit him anymore. He's kind of an outsider. Yeah, totally. Or or Garden State to a certain extent. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's way more it's way more that movie than rom com. Yes. I think that's like the biggest like misconception of that movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so Paul, uh, Rocky meets with Mason's people and they talk him in. Because like Rocky does not He's not immediately looking to fight Mason the line Dixon. He's looking to get into like small local fights. I don't know who the hell like at a at a Y is gonna want to box Rocky Italian Stallion Balboa. But I mean, I assume they that he they were gonna do like charity. He was gonna do like a charity thing, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that like, that would be my guess, is like local charities, you yeah. know? Like him and the Bigfoot from Harry and the Andersons. <laughs> yeah. Some sparring. Bring bring Thunderlips out of retirement. Here, I'm alive. I'm still here, <laughs> brother. Brother. <laughs> um, I I I I respect the Creed movies for kind of keeping this Rocky Balboa's like authentic, grounded. But there's sometimes I just want him to lean into Thunderlips territory really bad. Yeah. Well, if it's gonna happen, it'll happen in this third one. Right. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. We'll we'll talk about it. Uh. So we get the press conference, Skill versus Will. Mm-hmm. I man, like I feel bad for Mason. He seems like it's an even more thankless role than Apollo got. Like everyone, everyone in the press conference is like, "Why are you doing this? This is a stupid move. You're either going to get beat by a sixty-something-year-old man, or you're going to beat up a sixty-something-year-old man, and everyone's still going to think that you've never had a real fight in your career." <laughs> yeah. And- and he's like, why did I do this? And he just like walks away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's far and away the least colorful Rocky press conference that we've gotten. Definitely. But, th- but there is, it's a little more poignant and mm-hmm. I, I like Mason. Like I like him a lot, you know, like you're, you're kind of wanting to see Apollo get taken down a peck in that first movie. And you definitely want to see Rocky beat Clubber Lang 
um, and 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 Dolph Lundgren, but like, and definitely Tommy Gunn. Sure, <laughs> you just want to see him punched into the trash where he belongs. Um, but but this guy, like, I like him. Like, and this is like a very. This is like the thing from this movie that then carries into the Creed movies, which yeah. is like we're gonna make you care deeply about both of these guys. Because mm-hmm. it's important that you know both of these guys' story and where they came from. Especially in Creed 2, less so in the first Creed. But, you know, you still know that guy a little bit. I yeah, can't tell yeah. you his name. For <laughs> but uh, but and I, I really like how throughout the – and it isn't uh, – they're not connected, which is why we've kind of been skipping over them during the walkthrough. But Stallone does make a point to show – kind of track where Mason is of his frustration with his management – with his mentor, yeah. with the public. And he's like, he, he is, he feels just as much boxed in as Rocky does in his own way. Yeah. Of, like people keep telling me that I'm not this or I'm not real. And I'm so angry at it. And I just want to, I, I have to prove to everyone that I'm, that I've earned the position that I'm in. And I have to get through, if I have to beat up Rocky to do it, then that's what I'm going to do. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. And then the, yeah. uh, and then the uh, the training montage, which is well, shorter. we get first. We get. Oh, um, I think I think the the highlight, the biggest scene, maybe the best scene of the movie. I think the the scene that is aged the best, maybe even transcends the movie. Of uh, uh, Robert goes to visit uh, Rocky after oh. the press conference, and is like, "Hey, hey, I, I, I need to talk to you." And he goes, "Okay." And they have this big argument in the in the alleyway where Rocky kind of just is really, really honest with Robert about where he thinks his son is going in his life. Yeah. This is, it's a phenomenal scene um, with phenomenal work from both actors and has, I think if this movie in particular has a legacy in the franchise, it is this line, which I've seen repeated all the time, but it seems that people see like people seem to think that this comes from an earlier Rocky movie. It's like been like, I don't know, like put yeah. <laughs> if, if a Rocky what, movie at all. Yeah, right. Totally. But the line being, it's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Um, I, that line gives me chills just thinking about it in terms mm. of like, what it means to Rocky, but also like how relatable that is and how like, you know, what he's talking about is just life. He's like, that's just what life is. I was just like, right. yeah, just you're going to const life is constantly going to push you down, you know, and you're just going to have to keep getting up and keep going because that's what life is. And mm-hmm. it's God, what a beautiful metaphor and one of the best lines i think in any rocky movie it's so good and it it distills what you've been talking about this whole series of you know the ring being a metaphor for life like Mm -hmm. rocky getting in the ring symbolizes all of us you know leaving our door every morning to try and fight for a life that we feel like we deserve right or like an existence that matches the dignity we have inside of ourselves. 
Right. And, you know, we brought this up with Rocky five where like he maybe on a level as a writer or performer couldn't deliver that story authentically yet. But like, yeah, like like this line wouldn't have hit the same if Adrian was still alive or if they still lived in a mansion. But like you, you buy this guy like, yeah, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like him getting up every morning is such a, a task for him, even more than like fighting. Yeah. This mixed with like this scene then partnered with the fight where every time he gets hit, he gets a flash of a time something went wrong in his life. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just like, it's like Adrian's face. It's, you know, Apollo Nikki. dying. It's what, you know, it's, it's whatever. It's, it's just every time he gets hit, he gets a flash of a memory. Mm-hmm. And it's just, God, it, it is so emotionally affecting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I've never, I don't, there isn't a lot of movies where a scene gives me a, a like you know sort of like breaks me emotionally you know makes me shed a tear that isn't meant to be a cathartic cathartic moment in a movie you know like sure, sure. A, a big moment that comes late in the movie this coming like at the halfway point of this movie or like maybe two-thirds of the way and and it, it it's like bringing tears to my eyes you know is just kind of crazy to me um it's not something that happens a lot and then this line just constantly playing in my head in that last fight and seeing all those flashes um to me i think that this might be the most emotionally affecting of the of the rocky movies sure um, yeah i mean yeah, yeah. It, it it you feel the i mean because we've been watching these movies like all month or whatever and like yeah, yeah seeing the sum total of this guy's life and like all of the damage that he's taken, but still, you know, taking it both physically and psychologically. Yeah. But still, you know, being Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Not losing his rockiness, you know, on the risk of losing it, but then always finding a way to get back to himself. Right. Um, right. Um, it's just, so we it's get beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, and, and, and it's also like, just goes to show you how much of a better writer that St- Stallone has been in the last, you know, 16 years mm-hmm. um, is that like this scene is essentially doing what the scene where he goes for a drive in Rocky <laughs> four is doing. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's doing it in a, in a lot, in a, like a conversation and an argument mm-hmm. in like a dramatic scene instead of a montage. And, uh, and I don't think you hate Robert in this scene. Like, no. And I think it's a credit to Ventimiglia as well as the dialogue where, like, you get the pain that this guy's feeling. Yeah. And because he's not, like, entitled or spoiled or anything. He's just he hasn't been able to he hasn't he he doesn't have the same skin that Rocky does. And so he's taking the damage of life more difficult. And so Rocky has to be like, hey, like, I know who you are. Like, you're my son. I've held you in my hand. Like, you're not a coward. And like, I'm scared that you're not going to, like rise up to be the person that I know you can be. And like, right. Bigley is like, Oh shit. Okay. Um, right. But it, cause it's also like, he is, he's not a bad guy. The movie like paints him as like, he just doesn't have his shit together. He looks lost. like he has his shit together, but he's yeah. like, he's lost. You know, he just doesn't like, you can be working for a wall street company and still not have your shit together. 
because that right. means something, right? Like having your shit together means you're doing something you love. You're putting a roof over your head, you know, and he's doing the second thing, but he's not, he hates it. Like he doesn't, right. you can tell he actively hates these people that he works with. He doesn't like his job. His, his, his dad asks them about it and he's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm pushing numbers. And he's like, well, you know, Okay. Like, I love you. Yeah. All right. Love you. (laughs) Like, you know, and it's just like, there's no, he has no passion in it because, you know, it doesn't mean anything to him. And he, but he hasn't figured that out yet. You know, he Mm -hmm. hasn't made that connection yet. But I think Rocky knows because he was like, I figured out what I loved very early in life. I love two things. I love boxing and I loved your mom. You know, and I just I, I just committed to those two things with everything that I had. Yeah. And you don't have anything to commit to, you know, and he can see that. And so, like, the movie sort of just treats Robert as like a dumb kid that doesn't have his shit together. That's it. You know? Yeah. 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 And it's it's it's, it's great. It's great. I have I had a thought because, like, I'm not crazy about, you know, like some of the Marie stuff after this gets kind of like there's a part where she runs into the ring at the end uh-huh. and i was like i almost wonder if the robert catharsis comes too soon and like what if that was the moment at the end what if he he jumps into the ring and it's like we're okay you know like hey, i love you dad like you know uh you know uh because it's yeah. but then i guess it is kind of more centered on like this is rocky's fight this is about rocky right right it, yeah but and it's also that doesn't really happen in the other movies, you know, like it it seems to be like the structure of a Rocky movie is like most of that stuff ends before he gets into the ring. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Usually resolves everything by the time the fight starts. Right. Right. Um, And I will say, I love that this movie pays off a promise like a promise of like that original rocky scene um closing scene which is that the movie ends with with you know a draw and it eventually going to the to the competitor but mm-hmm. he's already gone and like right. heading yeah. to the back you know he and just yeah, moving good. on yeah mm-hmm. um cuz that's not it was about him you know going the distance it wasn't about him winning he didn't yeah. care yeah. yeah no it's a, it's a he cool he finally like- gets to do that because it does. He doesn't need that big emotional catharsis like you have in the first one of like Adrian, yeah. you know, running. It wasn't in about and whatever. Yeah, because like he's won the crowd. He already had the crowd. Right. Right. It, but you know, there's this line that Mason has with I think uh, Mark or his his like old trainer that he comes back to, where the trainer's like, "Look, like the only respect that matters is your own like self respect. Like, yeah, that's the only thing that you can really take away with you like when the fight's over." Yeah, uh, you mentioned the montage real quick. I have to shout out uh, the return of Bill Duke Evers, who mm-hmm. gets a great monologue that I still remember today about building up some hurting bombs. Oh, so good, so good, and the strategy is so well thought out and smart. Of like, you can't spar, you can't run fast. You, like our own, our only option is for you to just every this yeah, just every yeah. punch feel like a wrecking ball. You have to like knock this guy down with yeah. like you have just sheer brute force. Oh, um, so good. I love that. And yeah, and like the montages, it's like it's like, hey, you haven't seen one of these in a while. 
Like we don't totally. really we don't really need to like rewrite it or anything because like you, you want to see this. this is what you're here. Have we talked about the fact that like well not the fact because I don't know but like my my theory that Rocky invented CrossFit? No, we haven't talked about this. I feel like Rocky Four invented CrossFit, mm, and I yeah. feel like I feel like somebody watched Rocky Four and was like. This this is so much more interesting than going to a gym. I'd rather just push a log or Yeah, or throw like, a tire or or some chains, you know? Yeah, like the the rope thing, that's very Rocky Four. Yeah. I'm I, I wonder. I wonder if that is not where that where CrossFit comes from. Is that it's like totally inspired by like like, you know, oh, like live your own Rocky montage, yeah. you know? Don't use don't use fancy equipment like the yeah. Russians. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you a commie? What are you a communist? <laughs> uh, man, I thought there's a point, you know, because it, it's the day of the fight, y'all. We got Team Rocky, Roberts there, Paulie's there, Duke's there, and it hit me like Paulie has been at a lot of these. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I I want to make mention one more thing in the in the montage, real quick, please. Because it's also the return of the eggs. Yes. The raw eggs in the cup, which I feel like everyone thinks of as a staple of the franchise, but is only in Rocky 1. Yeah. Totally. It's not even and, referenced uh, in the other movies. Like, called no, back to. No. And I love how easy they go down in the first one. And in this one, it's a little, it's a little rougher. It's like, yeah. oh, I haven't eaten one of those in a oh, while. Like, yeah, you get tense. You can see. And it's also like, oh, you shouldn't be. Eggs were different in the 70s than they are now. No. Like, you shouldn't be eating those raw eggs anymore. <laughs> That's not a thing you should be doing, dude. He had a rough, he had a rough morning afterwards. Yeah. You'd have to get like, I don't know if it's like. If it's like unpasteurized or like I I forget what the situation is there, but it was safer to eat raw eggs in the seventies than it is now. Right. And I'm not I can't I'm not positive what the difference is. Yeah. But also I wonder if the eggs were bigger because like back then eggs were just eggs. They came in mm -hmm. one size. True. And now there's like large eggs, medium eggs, extra large eggs, jumbo eggs. And I wonder if he put the wrong size eggs in the glass and was like, oh my God, that's so oh, much more than I was expecting. <laughs> be a great scene of him like egg shopping. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Key scene yeah. though, for the, for the, as far as the Marie arc is concerned, Marie yes. comes to Rocky before the fight with like a picture of Adrian, right? Yeah. And I, I did, you know, cause it's like, I think they need, they thread the needle of like, the, these are two adults that have found each other later in life. She does kiss him, but it feels yeah. like a tender, just like two humans that found each other. It does, I don't, it doesn't really feel like lovers after no. this. No, definitely not. It never felt that way to me. I, and I, cause it, cause it's. You know, I mean, like, he goes and gets the dog with Steps, and Steps is, like, treating him like an old man, you know? He's, like, treating him like a, like, yeah, like, because, a, like a grandpa, you know? Not like a not like a dad. Not like, like, what's your intention with my mom, you know? Yeah. You can tell there's some unspoken, like, what the fuck? Why did he drive my mom home? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. But, but, he, but I think he drops that pretty quickly when he realizes, like, oh, he's not. He's, yeah. like, not, like, into my mom. Um, um, and 
you know, Steps is really interesting coming off of, you know, kind of in between Tommy and in between Adonis to show that, like, this is always something that has been in Rocky of, like, finding these youths that he can sense an outsider kinship with and, like, try to mentor them. Yeah. Yeah. Also, worth mentioning, Punchy, great dog. Great movie. Great dog. dog. Because <laughs> he's Rocky's like I like him. He's old. He doesn't move. Like, I like the I like how Polly like instantly like ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Polly gets a couple great moments in this final scene when we're okay right before the fight starts when they're in the they're coming out. Yeah, and Polly takes Rocky aside and he goes, "Look, man, you when you get out there, you got to get rid of the beast, like." You got it. All this shit that you have inside of you, you got to It's you can't leave the ring. You got to expel it. Yeah. And it's, it's like a this is the last run. time you could do this. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to support you after this. Like, we're yeah. not we're not doing this again. <laughs> and it, man, it got, it got me at the very end when he's like, this is the last round of your life. Like, yeah, yeah. do it. Oh, I'm like, fuck. Like, this yeah. is crazy. Like, and he and, and he, he says, like, he, he, he tells him he loves him. Yeah. And I just and I just think about I think about Polly and the thing that's so unbelievable about these two characters. And I mean unbelievable in a good way. Like like absolutely believable. The like the thing that's so grounded about these two performances and these two characters and their relationship is that like Polly looks at Rocky and the reason that he loves Rocky and the reason that it like he's always around or what because Rocky he has done Polly has done the most heinous shit anyone could ever do to anyone to Rocky. And Rocky has never turned his back on him. Mm-hmm. He has had a million reasons to do it and he never has, but everyone else in Polly's life has turned their back on him. Everyone yeah. but Rocky. And so, and even in this movie, like there's a, there's like multiple moments where he like screams at him. You know, or like acts like a fool, like the, the there's the there's the ice rink scene. But then there's also the scene where he like makes a scene in the restaurant after he yeah, gets yeah. slipped. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like but like, you know, Rocky is always just like, ah, Polly, like, you know, I, I know I know life's hard for you. You know, I'm yeah, not yeah. I'm, I'm 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 here for you, man. And I think I think to Polly, that just means the the universe to him because mm-hmm. he knows that he's kind of a piece of shit. And that he doesn't deserve a friend like Rocky. But the fact that he has a friend like Rocky is just like, there's nothing better. Like, he is, he lives to be Rocky's best friend. That's it. He has nothing else going on. You know? Yeah. I, I can't remember which one it was, but there was like at one point, like two or three, where like Polly says, like, you know what? I look up to you. Like, oh, like, I, he's like, I, I wouldn't switch. If I could switch with anyone in the world, it would be you. Right. It's like kind of like a big brother. But yeah, also like the older they get, the more like poignant this friendship becomes because like, you know, like Rocky says at the court scene, like I get getting older is letting go of things like the older you get, the more you're going to have to let go of. That's life. I get it. But these two just cling to each other and it's so unspoken. It's so easy. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm going to miss him because he's not in Creed. He's no he. Yeah, he passes on. He's got a gravestone right next to Adrian. But uh, uh, there's a, a great scene I can't wait to talk about where Donnie goes through Polly's room. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. God, That's I'm great. so excited to revisit these movies. 
I haven't seen yeah. Creed 2 since theaters, and I don't think I've seen the first Creed since Creed 2, I think. Yeah, I only I, I haven't seen Creed 2 since theaters as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did we see that so, together? We did, didn't we? Did we? Yeah, Arclight. That was the Arclight era. Yeah, at the at the at the at the dome when those guys get in a fight. Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> okay, great. Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about that. Oh yeah, man. I, I forgot I about, about that. that. Holy that. shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. Uh yeah, and we uh so we get this final denouement scene of Rocky going back to Adrian's grave. Yo, Adrian, we did it. And a hundred percent Stallone believe that this was the last time we would see this character yeah like he even gets like a fade out yeah while touching um, a fan's hand <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and i it's unfortunate that creed overshadows this movie in a lot of ways yeah of like it's no longer rocky but it is kind of rocky's it's cool that he has a last time being like the center protagonist yeah and then getting to like it kind of makes it easier to to see him like you know shepherd Michael B Jordan into his glory era you know right 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 I um I the one thing I do want to mention about the fight I know that it's it sounds like you're not like a huge fan of this fight <laughs> but I I really love it the way mm-hmm. that it's edited I think is really well done and I will say I do not think that there is a better end to the fight than what happens in this movie where they are just oh, wailing just on each other until the bell. Oh yeah. my God. Just like almost wailing yeah. in unison at each other until the bell rings. It is, yeah. it is like a stand up moment of like, like, it's, 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 like it, it just like, Oh my God. It puts like, it puts like dragon fire in my heart watching that. Yeah. Like, that last I, mo- those last beats. And I think what makes that moment work, because like I think the reason why I it took me a while to get into this fight was the decision to shoot it very HD HBO pay-per-view style. And uh-huh. so for it, it it looks like you're just watching a real boxing match. Yeah. And the highlight, the, the positive side is that is you really get to appreciate, of course, the actor playing Mason Dixon's athleticism, but also Stallone's athleticism. Of, yeah, like him just taking hit after hit and yeah. like, oh, my God, there's a part where he he takes a hit and he gets frustrated. And yeah, like, he kind of like <laughs> like hulks out yeah. for like a second. You're like, oh, shit, this is crazy. But <laughs> I think the realism makes that, you know, Dragon Ball Z flurry punch like really like like you like you said, like, whoa, shit, because it's been so <laughs> grounded the whole time that yes th- these two men have been driven to like just like wailing on each other because they're both so spent good well they're just so spent and they know the bell's about to ring and that <laughs> oh, yeah. one of them wants to knock the other one out so bad <laughs> yeah oh man uh like round one they that one of the announcers was like and uh stallone or like you know balboa landed uh eight of 16 blows uh mason the dixon landed 58 out of 59 blows. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. <laughs> it's just like, oh, he got punched in the face 58 times. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Uh, there's a great moment right before the final round where uh, Mason's like, man, you're one crazy old man. And Rocky's like, you'll get there. I love that. It's like, oh, oh, shit. I love that. 
and oh, like man. it it hits different after watching these so because yeah we just watched this dude age 30 years in like a month right it's, so it's like fuck yeah like you're really you know yeah you're you're gonna get there soon enough you know yeah oh man uh, oh i love I, this I, movie I, yeah no me too i have a lot of i but i, I have something i wanted to ask you about um yeah so Paulie gives Rocky a hard time at one point because he's like, are you mad because they took down the statue? <laughs> and Rocky's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know? And I was like, why would they take down the statue? I don't know, because like, you know, he's just a guy with a restaurant now. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually, I had no, okay, so. During like the the promo for the fight, they're showing like a yeah. montage of like Rocky Balboa and it's him fighting like Clubber Lang and Ivan Drago. You know, we joke a lot about how Rocky ended communism with that fight. Yeah. I don't in the nar- in the universe of the movie, I don't think that's true. Right. Because I don't think you tear down that guy's statue if he ended If that's communism. what happened. Yeah, yeah. No. Um I, it kind of recontextualizes for a little bit, like these these next few movies. They're like, oh yeah, that was just like a thing that happened that people freaked out about for like a few weeks, and then we moved on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he got a street fight once, and we were like, eh, maybe we should take that statue down. <laughs> oh, maybe that was it. Yeah. We <laughs> uh, have a rule in Philadelphia law. We have like, if you're in a street fight, we have to take down their statue. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a statue. Yeah, it comes down. <laughs> Rob McElhenney, gone. No statue. <laughs> so, uh, closing mm-hmm. thoughts on Rocky Balboa. Um, I mean, it just, I, I, I love this as an end to um, the Rocky-centric films. I think, mm-hmm. it, I think it is a really good closure. But now, because of the Creed films, I do feel like I I want enough, I want more closure now because now it's like I've gotten two more and now we're going to get a third where he's not in it. And that's going to feel weird. I'm still yeah. excited about it, but it's going to feel weird, you know. Um and so like I feel like I want something else there at the yeah. on the on the other side of that something to close things, but I I want it to be that, you know, Rocky's legacy movie. I don't want it to be a movie about boxing. You know, I just want some time with <laughs> Grandpa Rocky, you know? Yeah, you know, it's going back to what you said about, you know, Stallone, the, the entertainer, Stallone, the crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's so interesting to look at what Stallone does with his successes. Yeah. Like how, like, you know, in the wake of this movie, it they're like, okay, well, now I'm going to do Rambo. Right. Or now I'm going to do grudge match or now I'm going to do the expendables. It's right. He, he doesn't. Do, uh, what, what was that? Uh, escape plan. Escape plan. Yeah. Or uh, escape yeah. room. No, I think it is escape, escape plan. Escape. Plan. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Escape room. Yeah. Something else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he, he, he never put his chips in like, uh, you know, my daughter's getting married and like, or like, yeah, or like us running a family restaurant, you know, because I think maybe a yeah. part of him was like, well, no one wants to see that. Yeah. God, imagine if that was uh, that was Stallone instead of Garcia in the Father of the Bride remake that just came out. Yeah. Well, that was that's so funny. Uh, my so that was like that this thing Hollywood's doing now. I'll just put some put some Mexicans in it. <laughs> right. 
just put some the Latin X remake of because like they're doing Alexander and the No Good, Terrible, Horrible, Had Bad Day. Yeah, and that came out in like 2014. And I'm like, so right. one time I was FaceTiming my parents, and my mom was like, "Oh, I read that that Father of the Bride remake with Andy Garcia is coming. We, we should watch that." My dad was like, "That's a crock of shit. They think they could just." <laughs> stick a Cuban in a movie and we're going to watch it. That's bullshit. And like, <laughs> we're not going to fall for that. <laughs> we're not going to fall for that. Uh, I, Cause I think, yeah, like the represent the Italian representation in this movie. Cause yeah, I wasn't even aware of it until you brought it up, but that's so specific and lovely and really speaks to like, yeah, his, his, his eye and ear as a writer. Yeah. Yeah. And director. And director. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh so yeah, these movies mean a lot to me and this movie means a lot to me. Um it 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 you know, it's um it's it's really good. And yeah, it does get it certainly gets overshadowed by Creed. Um and rightfully so. I think I think Creed is uh is a fantastic film and I can't wait to talk about it next week. And it covers a lot of similar thematic ground for Rocky. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, so- I but, I understand it. I, I it's not like I don't understand it, but yeah. I also just think like it's crazy that we couldn't find a guest for this episode. You know, like where it's no. like we we found a guest for Rocky Five. We didn't find one for this. <laughs> That's yeah, like crazy. You know, Creed Creed covering a lot of this ground with the adage of like Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler does not make this movie uh, irrelevant or worth passing over because like yeah i think it's right. it's an essential rocky movie i think yes absolutely absolutely um anyway we uh we're shifting gears i will be handling uh backstory and research for the two creed movies mm-hmm. uh got a, a exciting couple of guests coming if it works out should be yeah fun episodes but yeah thanks for thanks for sticking around during this first phase of the rocky series yeah um the the creed transition happens next week um i am so excited to revisit those movies so excited oh yeah can't wait um so anyway i i feel like i've seen black panther more than i've seen creed which is surprising to me huh yeah i I mean yeah yeah I, I guess so, but it's also just like, but I love the Rocky movies so much, and right. it's like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I do love Black Panther, but it's also just like, yeah, but like, you know, Creed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I. There's an argument to be made that Creed is the best legacy sequel ever made. I think that is probably entirely accurate. I can't wait to talk about that argument specifically next week on the show. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go check out the uh, our Patreon, duelinggenre.com slash support. Go listen to that Book of Henry episode. That was crazy. That was a fun time. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. He kept Dang. that damn cause he had high hopes. He had high hopes. He had high apple Anytime you're feeling bad, instead of feeling sad, just remember that ramble.
Oops, there goes another problem, Kerplop. Oops, there goes another problem, Kerplop. Oops, there goes.